guys because it's time for another episode of outwatch a survivor rewatch podcast my name's alex your host and guide and i'm joined by three of my friends as we continue our exploration into past seasons of survivor one episode at a time we are on the third episode of survivor season 33 millennials versus gen x and this joint is titled your job is recon We will be breaking down the story bit by bit and analyzing the strategy, the story, the television product, and much more today on this episode. So if you are watching along with us, make sure you watch episode three of Millennials vs. Gen X before you listen to the pod. Before we get any further, it's time for you to meet my co-hosts. And uh, a thing that we learned this episode is that Gen X people, particularly Ken uh, McNichol, are they language is poetry, guys. <laughs> and when you start to abbreviate things in text messages, you lose the poetry of language. Just like when you put music on digital files, you lose the the sanctity of the vinyl uh, art form. These are very Gen X qualities to text full sentences and to like vinyl. So I have to ask uh, my friends, what is the most Gen X thing about you? We are here all millennials and we've, you know, covered that. But in what ways do you most resemble a Gen Xer? Scott, welcome to Outwatch. Hey, how's it going? I'm great. The most Gen X thing about me, this might be the most boomer thing about me. Um, okay, I'm boomer. Gen X. Yeah. Um, Watering my lawn with a sprinkler in the summer mm. because I'm in a lawn war with my neighbor. <laughs> I'd say that's pretty Gen X. Is that pretty Gen X? I'd say so. I feel like boomers are like, I don't care about the lawn, boy. But like Gen Xers have enough toxic pride that they would do such a thing. That's good. Okay. I, just so you know, I'm losing the lawn war. I was going to ask. It's not going well. <laughs> Well, I could admit that <laughs> second half team, Scott, you know, you've yep. still got a whole chunk of the summer where yep. you can make up ground. Absolutely. Adam, welcome to Outwatch. It's so good to be here. Hey, what's the most Gen X thing about you? Apparently texting in full sentences and liking vinyl. So <laughs> there's something poetic about language. I think this is this is part of the problem with this season that we see here is like gen x isn't that far away from the millennial generation at least like yeah and so i I think that's like where this gets weird is like i think generally when i think of generational changes i think of like the boomer transition to millennials but like there's the silent generation in between us yeah i forget about yeah yeah yeah, I mean, Mari was 31 on the Millennial Strive, and Ken is 33 on the Gen X Tribe, so yeah, two years. Yeah. 
It's not, it's, it's not as big a divide as they're trying to make it out to be. Right. Like, Mari's a no. professional gamer and Ken went off the grid for a few years. So, so it's a two year window. Very millennial. <laughs> they, yeah, they both do. If we're being, this is Emily yeah. pull up, uh, like Emily quickly and furiously Googled five. what are characteristics of Gen X? Yeah. yeah. So the, it's like characteristics of generation X and it's like Gen Xers embrace work life balance. And I'm like, that's not true. No, but like, is it? Cause I know, like, I don't know. Like, I know the boomers, it's less whatever, but like, I think that we just like ignore Gen Xers. Like, I think they could have been more involved in this conversation than we realize. Maybe. Yeah. Because maybe I, most of what I think about Gen Xers actually are actually true of boomers. Yeah, or at least like... Yeah, you're, I you're, will tell you no. that my mom is a Gen Xer and her favorite thing to say about it is that nobody cares about them. They're ignored. They're like mm-hmm. overlooked. Your mom's That's also a boomer, boomer, so... She's not a boomer. <laughs> She's a real Gen Xer. Yeah. Aren't, isn't that the, like the latchkey kids? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they just like go home and do whatever. They were independent. They had to fend for themselves. They are hard workers. That's what, you know, we're meant to believe. Yeah. They do stuff the right way the first time. Yeah. It just right. it just turns out there's not that much difference between generation to generation. We're all just trying to get a little bit better than what we were. And I've, I've maybe said this before on this season, and I probably will again, but I think that what we categorize as like, uh, characteristics of certain generations are actually just characteristics of certain ages of people. I feel like every yeah. group of people from the ages of like 16 to 25 are wanting to break the mold, regardless of their if they're millennials or Gen Xers at that, you know, point in their life. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that generally what the conversation is more about is this is how the next ge- generation wants to push things yeah. further. And, you know, sometimes change is hard. Indeed. But I mean, like, you know, 20, yeah, we'll even say 20 years ago, if someone had said that, like, yeah, I'm going to make a living uh, as a video game journalist. Right. Like, that's crazy. Right. That's not a thing. But, like, it became a thing. So, you know, it's, it's, the world's made up of dreamers and... It's just what it is. Jay's Would a dreamer. generation dreamer. That, that'll be next. Uh, hey, Emily, welcome to Outwatch. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, what's your most Gen X characteristic? Yes. Well, uh, after Googling some characteristics. Yes. One of them was they have a hybrid relationship with technology. Uh, uh. While Gen Xers weren't raised with the Internet, which is not true of me. Many of them did have access to it at the start of their careers. They aren't attached to their phones, but they use them, whatever. Um, So I guess my connection here is I definitely use technology, but sometimes I wonder about myself because I try and make Facebook stories and it is the end of me. (laughs) It's very hard. (laughs) Emily's practically a Luddite. so I am not great at it. And I was in communications for a long time. <laughs> That's your degree. <laughs> yep, I, I will probably go back to comms, but please don't put me in social media. But, you know, Emily, much like Ken McNichol, you are a purveyor of the the full written language. Thank you. I have, in fact, always written out words in my texts because I was a weird 
a weird youngster in high school, I would not shorten things, even when it was cool. When what year did this season happen? 2016. Yeah. See, that's just an unacceptable delineation to make at that point. Like, because because the whole like shortening thing was like late. 2000 like 20 odds or yeah. whatever. Yeah, because that... I pointed out once you have a smartphone, there's right. no need. Is oh, time out. Words. Is Jeff Probst a boomer? Um, how old is he? I'm finding out. That's a great question. He's 58. I... Jeff is a boomer. He's 58? Jeff Probst is 58. Jeff Probst is 58. That's, that's like looks, my parents' age. He looks very young. Yeah. A lot of makeup. <laughs> yeah. Also, he's a pretty fit guy, too. He is an incredibly fit guy. Yeah. So Jeff Probst is 31 years older than me. This is (laughs) (laughs) life-changing. My most Gen X characteristic is that much like most of um, Gen Xers, I think, got into I, too, am in um, crippling debt. (laughs) (laughs) I will probably... That is another characteristic I saw, Alex. Is it? Yeah, they were like, they're financially unstable. Yeah, I too probably will never pay off my... It's in the form of student loans, though, which is Gen Xers are probably like credit card debt or whatever. Gotta be. All right, so uh, this episode of Survivor is titled Your Job is Recon. Uh, Some high points include a summit and um, a flip on a tribe. So what do you say we start things out here by hitting the high points of the story? Yes. Do it. Yes. All right. Uh, after last episode's blind side, Hannah tries to immediately bury the hatchet with Zeke and Adam on the beach, and it goes terribly with Zeke just wanting some space and Hannah not taking the hint. On the Gen X tribe, David, Ken, and Cece still find themselves at the bottom, but Things are shaken up when the tribes are given an invitation to form a summit. Did any of you guys get shades of um, Dave and Jenna in the Amazon here for the summit? Did you think there would be um, a one bed for them to share? <laughs> All eight of them. All oh, eight I of them. About that. Mega bed. <laughs> mega bed. Shouts to mega bed media. So it's Will, Figgy, Taylor, and Jay from the millennial side. David, Chris, Paul, and Cece from the Gen X tribe. They get a peanut butter and jelly bar and get to chill. At the summit, David adamantly tells Taylor that he'll flip if necessary, that he has no loyalty to the Gen Xers. And then Ken has a very interesting scene when they get back to camp. He finds out that the millennials call him Ken Doll, which he doesn't like. And he doesn't like being identified by his looks, but instead by his work ethic and follow through. He then goes on to lobby for a vote out of Paul with Jessica at the immunity and reward challenge. This one is for comfort. Uh, You've got a classic carry some bags, throw some sandbags and form a puzzle after CC Paul and Lucy really slow down the Gen Xers on the balance beam. uh, The millennials pull out this victory. Back at the Gen X tribe, Paul confirms that the plan is CC with Sunday and Jessica, but then in the aftermath, let's slip that he would cut those women if the guys want to work together instead, which leads the women to consider voting out Paul. In tribal, we talk about creating a good team of people rather than a team of individuals. Also, of course, about texting and vinyl. 
<laughs> and after that riveting conversation, Paul is blindsided, voted out six to three with CC, uh, actually rather Sunday, Jess and Lucy flipping from that majority alliance to vote with those people on the outs. Blindsiding, of course, Paul, but then also Chris and Brett in the process as well. Making Paul, Scott, your first pick, which was given to you by RN Jesus, eliminated from the game. Scott, what was your reaction to losing Paul this early? Um, I was super surprised that Paul did not make it that far in this game. <laughs> he was just the mark of a true leader. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm surprised that he managed to put his foot in his mouth and get voted out. <laughs> oh crap. <Yeah. laughs> um so while it sucks for my team, I'm also like slightly happy I don't have to watch him anymore. <laughs> I feel like I feel like about uh almost like every other modern survivor season has the Paul. And that's the like, it's always the older alpha male white guy who is like a very old school survivor leader and comes in like, I have to be in control. This is the way that I'm going to be. And this is always what happens, right? He like gains control for a vote and then everyone's like, uh, actually, fuck this. And they vote him out. (laughs) (laughs) And. We all saw it coming, right? Yeah. We knew it yeah. Was yeah, like I'm not surprised. That's why I was so mad I got him first. Yeah. Like at this point, like I feel like we're like survivor vets. So like Yeah. We saw this coming. Of course. Not, that's okay. You guys have Our been Jesus through will lead me to victory again somehow. You guys have been through three whole seasons. You basically have it all figured out now. Yeah. Yep. yep. Training wheels are off, Alex. <laughs> we are riding the bike. Yep. Fully. Never forget. So Paul's Gonzo. Uh, guys got to ask, what was your favorite moment from this episode? Adam, would you like to go first and share what your favorite moment from episode three of Millennials vs. Gen X was? Um, I like when uh, they were at the summit and we got another uh, look at David's catchphrase when he looked at Taylor yes. and said, I trust you. <laughs> I trust you. Okay. I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can we get that put on a t-shirt <laughs> dude official outwatch merch guys if you guys want to buy an outwatch shirt uh email me at outwatchpodcast at gmail.com and if we get enough interest we will make official outwatch merch <laughs> um so i i don't know i don't know that i like the summit in general like it didn't yield much information everyone was just so like nicey nice they didn't really say anything real i I get that like you want to protect information and when people like figgy and taylor are sitting there and someone asks like has anybody hooked up yet you probably don't want to like call them out when (laughs) you're part of their alliance that was an awkward moment (laughs) yeah Um, will's like nah nah dude nah come on (laughs) (laughs) um but we did we did get a good like character moment from Paul where we found out that he's in a band. Yeah, lead singer of the cool. band. Um Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I don't think the summit yielded too much information, but I I thought it was kind of fun. Yeah. 
in a cringy sort of way. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul was saying that these kids, like he reminds them of their dad and they just wanted their dad out there. Yeah. So he maybe Paul would have been better if he was on the millennials tribe so he could just be dad. Papa Paul. Papa Paul. Daddy Paul. Tribe dad. Tribe <laughs> Paul can be the dad, but Ken is the daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. And daddy is what they should call him. But he loves that. <laughs> That's disgusting. Uh, Emily, what was your favorite part of this episode? Um, it was the the cringiest part was when Hannah would not leave. <laughs> yeah. I could not. It was like. Uh, mm. It was okay. So here's what I was going to say. It's not funny, but it just comes to mind. We have a dryer and when the dryer's done, it goes <laughs> and like, cool. I know that you're done, but it goes on so long. Yeah. It's like when you press those plush toys that play songs and you're like, ha ha. And then they keep going. You're like, oh, okay, please. Oh God, please stop. <laughs> oh gosh, please. That's what it was watching uh, this interaction because Zeke was like trying to be an adult about it. Yep. And he was like, please, I just, you know, it's not that I don't want to talk to you. I just need some space right now. Please just leave me alone for right now. And she was like, okay, but one more thing. Uh Okay, but just listen. Yeah. It would not stop. I was like, would you just walk away? She kept repeating the same thing where she was basically just like, like, I didn't have a choice. It was like, okay, just leave me alone. I like, I will talk to you. It's like, okay, but just one more thing. I didn't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was out of this world. It, bad. it feels like it lasts forever. Yes. <laughs> like the yes. longest scene. Yes, like she it just kept going. I was like, okay, she's gonna walk away. Oh my gosh, she's still here. Yeah. And that's how it felt. And eventually Adam's like, Hannah! Yeah. <laughs> that all took place before the cut, like before the title scene, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it was the, so long, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh Scott, what was your favorite part of the episode? Um I think everybody else pretty much named mine, but my third one would probably be that Paul somehow managing to just say, and by the way, if it's an all boys tribe, see you guys, see you girls. Right. <laughs> and then getting himself voted out for it. So good. Yeah. yeah. That, I couldn't believe that happened. It's pretty on brand. So, I'd say it's so on brand. I'm just, and then also like, I don't know. Just, I was both happy and sad for my tribe, but happy that Paul's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I really didn't like him. <laughs> yeah, what they basically they were like, and but you guys, you guys aren't planning on doing like an all boys thing, right? And Paul's like, no, no. But like, but if, if we, we did, did <laughs> then like I'd tell you guys, and you guys would, you know, we'd say bye. It's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Is that what you just meant to say? Well, but it was a positive thing because he was going to give them a heads up that they're on their own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least he let him know before he completely screwed him. Exactly. And that's admirable. He's just got to be in charge. It's the only way it works for him. That's the thing. Like, he had to be so confident in his, like, I control everybody yep. to, like, just be brazen enough to say that. Gosh. He thought he was his, his attempts to, like, His attempts to, like, be cool to the millennials was like, hey, I was in a rock band. <laughs> that's Gosh. true. I'm sorry. I need to... I'm sure Paul's a really nice guy. I'm just listen. I will give him some grace here. When I learned from this episode that he is like, is he the lead singer in this band? Like, still in it, right? That's not a past 
profession. And he lives in the Florida Keys. I'm like, I bet you have such a wonderful, interesting life. And I just don't think it translates to Survivor. Well, the, the problem is he lives a life that he wants to brag about to make everyone feel like, look how cool I am. Yeah. And that's and that's the problem. Like no one no one cares. Right. Like, <laughs> In the keys they do, I'm sure. Maybe. Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe. We can imagine that they do. But in Survivor I, I'm sure there yeah. are people who care. But yeah. like Easy to take this show on the road, go to the Florida Keys and find out. Hey. Man, a Florida Keys survivor would be fascinating. Yeah. Especially Ooh, right now would. where it's hundred percent COVID. <laughs> oh gosh. It's Survivor for another reason. <laughs> it's literally Survivor. That's not funny. That's a real it's thing. Not. Stop it's laughing really at him. <laughs> it's really mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Only chastising Adam. <laughs> I was. Oh, the whole reason that the Florida Keys thing came up was, and like most of this Paul stuff came up, was because he tried to go fishing. And oh he yeah, that remember? Was... Yeah. And then Ken was like, uh. This guy sucks at fishing. I'm gonna go do it myself. And then he goes and he catches a bunch of fish. <laughs> yeah, I actually I didn't know if they just if that was the way they set it up or if he really took that long. But they like show Paul and he's like, "Yeah, Florida Keys. I know what fish are. I'm gonna go get them." And then they show Ken and he's like, "This is just ridiculous. Like he, yeah. he's not gonna catch any fish and he didn't catch any fish and I could catch fish." I'm like, "Then go catch fish. What are you waiting for?" Uh-huh. And then finally, after all this talk of like, I I go. And I get things and I make it happen and blah, blah. And I'm going to go get some fish. Finally, he gets some. Do you think it really took that long? Because I was like, why don't you just go do it? Yeah, maybe. Maybe Ken wanted to give Paul the like chance and not like try yeah, and step over his, you know, step on his feet or whatever. I guess that's fair. I mean, we've seen Ken like spearfishing before. So it's not. It's not totally, you know, whatever. Oh, I guess I forgot we've seen that. I thought that was his first. I can't remember if they did or not. What are you doing? No, no, he, 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 like he had gone. He had come back from fishing before, and then it was like that. This was just. I think the point of this scene was really to emphasize like the frustration that Ken has. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Well, that makes more sense because he was basically saying like, when I go out to get fish, I go get fish, and when Paul goes out to get fish, he says he's gonna makes a big show of it, and then he comes back and tells you how hard it is to get fish right now. And then never gets fish. Yeah. So. Let's talk more about Ken while we're on here, because Ken kind of has a, some big story moments in this episode. I like forgot, I think, or like, yeah, I forgot like that. Ken is such an interesting character. Like, um, and I think that this episode is kind of like the first big step into it where, yeah, they talk about the whole Ken doll thing. And, you know, you like take the surface view of Ken, right? Which is he's like, he is a model. He is a, chiseled handsome man and then the like deeper part of this is like he doesn't want to be identified by that he doesn't like being called ken doll he like cares about working hard you know and like doing what he says he's gonna do and then of course you know he's a poet and he also loves vinyl like what do you guys make of ken um, and I don't know, like from a game perspective, but also just from like a character perspective, is this like what you were expecting from Ken? Emily, do you have any th- thoughts on Ken's story to this point? Um, I just think it's interesting. Like I can see even from the beginning, I think he was with um, David. Mm-hmm. He was like, you know, I 
I know what it's like to be an outcast. Was that, am I thinking of that yeah. correctly? Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, so he's someone who maybe is misunderstood. But then they said that Kendall thing and he was like, that's like not funny at all. Yeah. Like his face was very serious and he was like, yeah, I don't appreciate that. Like he couldn't even be like, ha ha, I get that all the time. I wish it didn't happen or, you know, anything like that. He was just like, yeah, I, that's not funny. So that was really interesting. Uh-huh. It seems like a, I don't even know how to describe it, but he's. It's not intense. I don't know. I think, yeah, there's just like more depth there than maybe you expect. Yeah, I, I think that he, he seems to be the kind of person who has lived a life where people don't take him as seriously as he wants to be taken. Yeah, yeah. it feels like there's more. Um, And whether that's because. Whether that's because he's an exceptionally good looking person. uh because of the way that he acts like makes people because I mean like Ken is kind of serious Mm -hmm. and so I could see especially like kids or you know whatever trying to like loosen up like hey like ah it's really funny we don't have to be that serious right now um yeah yeah I I don't know I I think Ken seems like a really interesting person yeah I'm yeah I don't know yeah do you I also think that he he just likes things very straightforward. I don't think he likes to really like, you know, with Paul, like his big thing was like, Paul makes a big show of all this. Like if Paul came back without fish and was like, you know, oh yeah, I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get the fish sort of thing. I think he would be a lot more sympathetic than, you know, the Paul that's makes this huge deal about like, oh, I go fishing all the time. I can always get fish. It's like, oh, it's impossible to get fish right now. Like no one could do it. It's like, you know, because yeah. I can't do it. No one can. I, I don't know. I think Ken just really wants things like black and white. This is the way it is. No sense in making it any other way. Maybe like he just wants it to be genuine. Yeah. Like, and that's just yeah, very genuine. He's not going to be like, haha, they call me Kendall and that's, you know, I'm used to that. He's like, no, that sucks. And I'm just going to tell you that. Like, yeah. I don't like it. And I think that's a, that's a good read. Do you remember like his quote when he talked about the Kendall thing? He was he, like he uh, something about being being compared to a, a doll with no private parts or something like yeah. that, like a, a plastic yeah. doll. With I guess no he penis. was funnier in that moment than I right. remember, but yeah, he was. <laughs> he makes a joke about it, yeah. but it's like to show like why he really hates it. Yeah, I think yeah. he. It, it seems like he was like teased with that as a kid or whatever. Is like the, I think yeah. the instigation, or the insinuation. Um, let's talk about the summit. This was a big point of in the early part of the episode, and we've kind of noted there's not a ton of fruit from it other than um, David saying that he'll flip. Um, of all the people that were a part of the summit, um, who do you all think played this the best? Um, Scott, do you remember watching it and thinking that any of these particular players really did a good job with this opportunity to be at the summit? Um, it's kind of like, I didn't like watch it. Like I watched it closely, but like not like I'm having a trouble, like remembering like anybody who like stood out from it. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that does stand out is like David, like, I guess like the people who probably gained the most would be like David and Ken. Cause they're kind of on the outs with their tribe. Mm-hmm. So the opportunity to, maybe like make friends with the millennials, you know, that probably pays off for them more so than the other Gen Xers at this point. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, I think that's kind of how they framed it on the show too. Yeah. Um, so I guess like the, like David and Ken probably, like mm-hmm. even though David pulled out his 
his stereotype, like his trademarked line at this point. I trust, I trust you. you. Okay. I trust you. Yeah. It is like a uh, wild thing to say to somebody that you've like just met. Maybe not. Maybe like I get what he's going for, but maybe just like different choice of words, you know, like, yeah, I want to work with you. I want to work with you. Yeah, there might be like a less weird way to say it. <laughs> yeah, it's the delivery too. Yeah, I trust you. It's very intense. Uh, Adam, was there anyone from the summit that you thought really played their their spot well? Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. Beyond what Scott said, I'm not sure. There's, I mean, like I think David and CC did. A pretty good job of kind of like calling out the problems that they were seeing in their tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like that indicates to everyone else, like, Hey, like I'm not committed to this. Like everyone else is following him and I'm not for that. So like, yeah, you know, so I think that's good. I, I really, I'm trying to think of a millennial that like, I feel like they made any real moves and I, mean, I don't, I don't know if any of them did, but maybe we should chalk up points for Taylor for not, Rolling up and being like, yo, this is my girl, Figgy. <laughs> We're totally together, bro. He at least recognizes that it's a problem. Yeah. Like, <laughs> which, that is strange. Yeah. I do give Jay props, too, because he was like, even before, like, yo, I just hope Taylor and Fig- Taylor didn't roll up and start making out with Figgy or something. Because right. <laughs> they're totally going to... They're going to think that we are totally not legit or something, yeah. basically. Dude, I, I say this every episode, but I freaking love Jay. I do like Jay a lot. He's yeah. a good person. Yeah. Like, he's a, he's a good character on the show. Yeah. Big fan. I think, yeah, a thing, like, about this season that I, like, keep discovering this as we go, but there's a lot of characters that you look at, and the, your first, like, taste of them is maybe, like, one note, or you expect something, right? And then what you actually get from them is something very different. I think that like David being one of these, Jay, we already talked about Ken a lot as falling under this category. There's like a number of players on the season, right? That you like expect to fall under a certain like archetype, but end up being very different. And yeah, Jay like proves over and over again. He's like, this is a smart guy who's like here to play strategically and not just like be the surfer bro. Um, let's talk about this immunity and reward challenge. Um, they end up winning the millennials do immunity and also, um, like it was like recliners and like, uh, hammocks. Yeah, a hammock. yeah, a hammock, just some, some comfort classic, uh, Tony voice, you know, this is an alliance of comfort. Uh, what do you guys think of this challenge? Were you intrigued or entertained by this one? This was the you carry the big bags across the balance beam and then you throw the bags at the big puzzle and then you have to reassemble that puzzle. Um, I, I mean, I feel pretty lukewarm about this. Like, I don't think it was a particularly bad challenge or anything. I. It feels really physically heavy it leans pretty hard on the physical element than mm-hmm. like puzzle side of things which i don't know i i i find i i struggle with like saying that challenges that are so physical are good 
because it can wind up being so one-sided. Yeah. Um, I thought the balancing was interesting, especially since you didn't have to carry it across. You just had to get across yourself. Yeah. And you had to get all of the bags across one way or another. Yeah. I thought that was interesting, um, which kind of helps alleviate that, like, need to have four physically strong people. Right. Um, yeah, yeah the, like I, the storyline of it was the like CC got the bag across on her first try, but it took her a long time. Right. Whereas the millennials, for the people who struggled with it, they just like ditched the bag, went across, and had like Taylor or whoever to carry all the bags. Whereas right. yeah, the Gen Xers for CC and then also Lucy and I think um, Paul to a lesser extent really like struggled to get the bags across. Yeah, Paul struggled and then he put it down and I think Chris came through and Dude, Chris is a freaking tank. Chris is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. He is humongous. Yeah. Chris totally like had to have played like D1 football, right? <laughs> uh I, I actually think he did. Like he's enormous. Yeah. Uh also speaking of enormous, I didn't realize until this episode, Lucy freaking yolks, dude. Oh, Lucy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah she's yeah. like crazy strong. Someone else who is, uh, you know, not somebody that I would care to tussle with. What did you say she was? Yoked. Yoked. What did you hear? Yopes. She yopes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not familiar. I know. Michaela, I think we've seen it before, but Michaela is jacked. Yeah, Michaela is too. Yeah. Yeah. Here, this is um, uh, Chris's personal claim to fame in his bio that would like, you know, go on CBS.com and stuff before the season. It says, I came from nothing. I came from a trailer with no running water left behind by a drug trafficking father at 15. I overcame tremendous odds. I put myself through college on a football scholarship. I put myself through law school. I did this on my own. And I've earned the respect of the entire community. For years, my hometown of Sulphur, Oklahoma, had a sign that said the home of Chris Hammonds. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That is pretty awesome. But he did play football in college. Bam, bam. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, I think that's, I don't know. We covered the challenge. Well, this is like a pretty standard classic challenge. Nothing wrong with it. Pretty middle of the road. Yeah. And then, of course, like the big thing this episode is, yeah, Paul's conversation with Jess and Sunday, where he let slip that he would basically uh, forsake the women on his alliance for the men. And then uh, those same people, Jess kind of taking charge, um, flip on him and vote with um, Cece and Ken and Dave and and vote out Paul. I think like the the biggest strategic question from this was, do we think this was um, an overreaction from Sunday and Jessica specifically that this one, you know, like passing comment, was this worth blowing up their majority alliance at this point over? Um, Scott, do you think that this was a good strategic move for that group of people at this stage in the game? I 
I don't know if it was like a bad strategic move, but you could definitely, they probably could have waited for sure. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. right now it's what six to three. Right. So like they definitely could have like waited a little bit if they wanted to. Yeah. Um, Cause it is relatively early in the game and you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. so like, if they don't want to, if they was kind of on a lay low for a little bit, see how it goes. They definitely cut up. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it was like a bad move at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Emily, what'd you think about that move? Did that seem um, like a strong strategic choice at this point? Or did you think that was maybe premature? I was here for it. Yeah. I think they needed to get rid of Paul. Because that alliance was not going to go that far. Like they were eventually just going to be the tribe. Mm-hmm. And then the women were going to be targets. Mm-hmm. And they had the numbers instead of picking off the people who were not in their tribe. Instead, to be able to form an alliance with them, have the numbers to vote out Paul and shake that up, I think was worthwhile. I think that Paul, too, is someone that I imagine being in an alliance with him. It's going to be hard to have your influence um, carry much weight as long as Paul's around. You know, you could like be an alliance of six people with this guy, but it's likely going to be what he wants is what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder if that part of things played into this. Like, yeah, this is somebody who I have on my side, but not somebody that I want to work with or that like is good for me to work with going forward. Mm hmm. Adam, do you have any thoughts strategically about this decision? Um, do you yeah, think that it was I, good? I, I, I think it's pretty much been said. I, there's, there's definitely an argument that you could pretty much take Paul out whenever. Yeah. Um, after. So, so. You have a set time frame where you can take Paul out with your current with the current Gen X tribe. Mm hmm. When things get mixed up, you could probably take them out like whenever. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't think Paul is like such a liked person, and especially if you have like half of his alliance on your side um, to take him out. It wouldn't be that difficult to take him out later in the game. Um, the problem is you don't know how long you're going to be stuck with just Gen X. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the strategy comes into play. I think that there's definitely your your comment about um, how much influence you actually have when Paul is leading your alliance. I think it's a valid thing to note. I also think if you can manage to take him out later on, it wouldn't be too difficult to argue. Like, right. I saw no reason to be more strategic than to just go along with what Paul was saying. But then when the time came, I took him out. Mm-hmm. Um, so who was really in charge here? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I could see an argument for why for why keeping him around is a decent move. Mm-hmm. You also go though from being the bottom three of an alliance to potentially the top three or at least co threes with another alliance. And I don't know. I I, I think I always would want to stay there. Like yeah. more top middle than just the bottom of an alliance. Right. Yeah. yeah I think it, it depends too on like what their intent going forward is. It, it didn't sound like, um, and you know, I think the next episodes will bring light to this, but like it didn't seem like um, 
Jess and Sunday and Lucy's intent was to like flip on this group of three guys and like defect to working with that other group of three. But instead it was just like to get rid of Paul and then continue working with Brett and Chris. Right. Yeah. And now like, you have the three to two majority. Mm-hmm. You do. So. Right. But you also create like a potential situation where now maybe it's actually like David, Cece and Ken who are in the power position. Right. Because right. now, like if you do this, Chris and Brett could say like, uh, screw you and go join that other group and then target the group that just flipped on them. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a risk. I don't think Paul is a loyal enough person to keep around though. So yeah. I don't, it's a tough spot for sure. Yeah. And like, yeah, you can like bet that whoever makes, there's going to be like a blowback on a move like this when it's made at this point. But yeah, it's like a calculated risk, right? Like, is it worth um, like basically going on autopilot for the first part of the game? So tough questions. We'll see how they play out. Especially when, I mean, we've only seen one other season this far in advance that that only had two tribes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they mix up the tribes at some point before they put them together, right? Yeah, it's like at this point in Survivor, there's almost always a swap or two. So I, I don't know. Like, I think that's the other thing to keep in mind is you're not playing for the big merges. You're playing for a mix up. Yeah. And you know i don't know keeping people that might be loyal to you so that way you have more people who might be swapped over with you makes sense mm-hmm. i don't know this is this is such a weird it's it's a move that like i totally get from a personal standpoint i don't know if there is a right move from a strategic standpoint yeah we will have to see how it all plays out um generational storyline watch at tribal council um the takeaway for jeff from the the immunity challenge was that millennials work together more efficiently than gen xers because they're more likely to try things out whereas gen xers know have in their mind the right way of doing things and they aren't willing to try other things there's our generational storyline of the episode. <laughs> uh, ultimately, of course, Paul has voted out 6-3. We've talked a lot about the decision and stuff, um, but we were not... It, it, it wasn't made clear to us going into Tribal that this was going to happen or not. Were you um, blindsided, along with Paul and Brett and Chris, by this result, or um, did you guys see this coming? Uh, Emily, what did you... What was your reaction to Paul being voted out? Um. I was hoping it would happen and I decided I would be mad if it didn't. So I was, but they didn't make it clear. Like I think, and I don't know, Alex, if this is something that they do in later seasons, um, the way that they kind of set up to tribal is like creating all this tension and then leaving it until the final vote for you to figure out what actually happens. I just feel like we're seeing more of that in this season than we've seen in previous seasons that have been much older. Mm -hmm. I feel like they do a much better job of setting up that story. So 
all of that to say I was on the edge of my seat. <laughs> yeah. But well, I was I was glad that they I'm just like rooting for the underdog. That's why I have all these opinions about what happened. Yeah. Um so yeah, I was excited to see that. No, I think that's a good observation and that like yeah, I think that Survivor always is on that sliding scale of like telegraphing what's going to happen versus um all, all the way on the other side of the scale is like something happens and you're like, wait, what? Like, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Right. And that it's tough probably from a storytelling perspective to both make it feel make like not make it clear what's going to happen, but also when it does happen, you to feel like, oh yeah, like I see how that happened. Mm-hmm. Like that makes sense. And you're right. I think that this episode and this season, they do a, a pretty good job with that for the most part. Because, yeah, especially in recent Survivor, the the strategy and all the advantages and stuff can get so chaotic that sometimes you, like, leave an episode and you're like, okay, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what just happened? Why did any why is anybody acting in the way that they are? Which is a frustrating thing that can be true of modern Survivor. Um, Which maybe we did feel that in an earlier episode. Now that we're talking about it, I feel like that happened. But it was at least Mari. this one. Yeah, we had that conversation with Mari. Yeah, yeah. we don't. At least in this episode, I feel like they teed it up well. Yeah, I was gonna say they they walked us to tribal, going like, uh, I mean, who is it? Cece's going home. Um, they they walked us to tribal with the like, if CC goes home, then what you expected to happen is going to happen, and if Paul goes home, then the blind side that you expected is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like a complete toss up. Which of those two is going to happen? Oh, and now I remember, too, thinking during all the questions during um, Tribal Council, uh, Cece really was a great actor in this because she was just really downtrodden, was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go home. Yeah. And that's what's up. And everyone was like, yeah. No one telegraphed like anything was going to be different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she did play it really well. Anything else from this episode that y'all want to talk about before we move on to our fantasy survivor portion? Let's get those points. Let's do it. Uh, let's, you know, before we do that, let's start by handing out our, our participation trophies. <laughs> of, Ooh, love participation trophies. of the episode. Um, Scott, would you care to go first? Who was your MVP um, this episode who will be receiving a participation trophy? Um, I'm going to toss it at my, I believe she's on my team, Jessica. Yes. For leading the charge to get Paul out for making the call and Mm -hmm. stepping up to the plate. So go ahead, girl. Jessica (laughs) was the last pick of the draft. She was. This is irrelevant. And here she is with two whole participation trophies. (laughs) Uh, Adam, who gets your participation trophy? You know, uh, I think I got to throw it to Jessica, too, actually. Yeah. Like, I, I want to throw it to David or Ken or CC, but I think Jess did the most to blindside Paul here. And I think that's the biggest storyline in this episode. I think that's the most that's the biggest move that happened. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I yeah, I got to I got to throw it to Jess. Emily, what about you? Uh, I was going to pick Jessica, too. You can for the same reason. You can. I think I'm just going to do it. Do I it. Th- my second place pick based on the story that we saw would be Ken. Mhm. Cuz he's like 
seeing this the way it is and calling it out. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, Jessica is the one who was like, yeah, I'm not I'm not so sure. Yeah. Let's let's do something else. Yeah. So uh, I'll give mine to Canned, um, mostly because um, I just appreciate how he cares for the finer things in life really values the importance of language and it being used properly, <laughs> you know, loves the crackle of a nice vinyl. Yeah, <laughs> the sound does have a texture, you know, isn't that what, that is what he said. <laughs> it does have a texture. It's, it's got a texture. <laughs> that sound better. He's got a- <laughs> uh, and now let's move on to fantasy survivor. Um, I hope you all tuned into our draft episode. Last episode is one of our, favorite points in an outwatch season. Uh, Here's a brief reminder of each tribe, and then we'll get into scoring Scott's tribe. The RN Jesus take the wheels. Second wind tribe, which is certainly a mouthful (laughs) consists of Paul rest in power. Ken, Hannah, Figgy, Zeke, and Jess Adams, Apple squares, uh, I don't even remember how we got yeah, there. What was what was the joke? I don't. It, it was, was like a, a, was Adam a, squared, but also Adam's apples. And then we decided that apple squares maybe sounded like a tasty pastry or something. Yeah, who came mm-hmm. up with that? I think that was a group effort. Okay. The tribe names, of course, can always change if we come up with something better. No, oh, I like apple squares. Maybe that should be the prize. Ooh, apple squares. Yeah, is this a pastry? What's an apple square? Okay, I was we're gonna, gonna win it. I imagine kind of like um, kind of like a Danish. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like That's a square apple too. Danish. That's like just an apple Danish. Or a uh, toaster pastry. A apple toaster. cinnamon toaster pastry. <laughs> yeah. More of a rectangle, though, aren't they? You take like a pop tart and you cut it into a square. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You just got a square shaped cookie cutter. <laughs> Uh, that tribe consists of Adam, Michelle, David, Chris, Cece, and Taylor. And then Emily's tribe, the Avocado No Toast tribe, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> consists of Sunday, Jay, Will, Lucy, Michaela, and Brett. Um, this episode, the episode was named by Michaela, so an extra five points go to her this episode. Um, the Millennials won immunity and reward. And the Gen Xers didn't win either of those things. So the Gen Xers that voted correctly will get five points. And then all of the Gen Xers other than Paul will get an additional five points. So after tallying all those together, starting this season in third place is RNG's Jesus Take the Wheel Second Wind with 65 points after losing Paul. In second place is Adam's Apple Squares with 70 points. Uh, in because Chris was blindsided and voted incorrectly, and then taking first place at this point in the game is Avocado No Toast. Uh, Brett was also blindsided, but uh, Michaela is on the Avocado No Toast tribe, which got them an extra five points. So Emily, at this point, you are in first place. I'm going to relish in this fleeting moment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Scott, we've, you know, done this at length, but as is tradition, would you care to eulogize Paul's game? Um, Paul was a leader. He truly gave it his all. He 
looked like he was in his element in the water, like like he was off the coast of his Florida Keys home. <laughs> you know, maybe it's not his fault that they didn't get his leadership style. Not yeah, you know it's and, you know rest in power, King. This is my number one pick. <laughs> <laughs> so really, we all have to pick up our slack. R and Jesus take the wheel, second win, tribe. True. Well said. Um, Ken would I be think, proud of your use of language. I, I think one more thing we should probably add to this segment is like who our top points earner for the episode is yeah. and like who is the top points earner running. Sure. So far, because I think like last season really showed us that we didn't pay enough attention to Jenna. Yeah. Even though like she was in the runnings points wise, even though we're like looking at numbers, we're not like drawing attention to it. So I think sure. I, I think that's something we should add to this season. No. Yeah, I'm into it. Yep. As of this first episode, Michaela's got the most points um, because she got that extra five for naming the episode. Yay. A cool, hard 20 points for Michaela. Well done, Michaela. Oh, Michaela. I wanted her, but Emily took her first. She is on avocado toast. Avocado toast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the inflection is important. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of is a freaking stepbrothers when I'm like, about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> the clown has no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the clown has nut toast. <laughs> Emily has no idea what we're talking about. No, I don't. <laughs> what a girl! I just don't watch movies. It's a stupid <laughs> movie that no one should watch. Honestly, yeah, but it's so quotable. It's so quotable. It's so quotable. All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening to Outwatch, a Survivor rewatch podcast. Make sure that you say stay subbed to the channel so you don't miss any of our um, episodes as we continue our run through Survivor Millennials versus Gen X. Uh, and Outwatch is a proud member of the Megabed Media Podcast Network. Make sure you check out Megabed Media on YouTube uh, and you can see posts from our other shows on there as well as some special other videos, including uh, Quarantine Island, a live virtual survivor game, which I hosted. Um, also, follow us on Twitter at Outwatch Podcast. And like I mentioned before, drop us a line at outwatchpodcast at gmail.com and let us know if you'd be interested in some sweet Outwatch merch. If we get enough uh, interest on that channel, then you know what? Maybe we'll just produce some stuff. Uh, and we've mentioned this the last few episodes, too, but listener support is open for Outwatch. If you enjoy this content and would like for us to be more, you know, uh, steady and um, make us get our itch together. <laughs> yeah. Would, would like us to be more assured in continuing to produce this content, then you can choose to uh, give monthly to the production of the show. And we will continue to use that money for more and more Outwatch in the future. And probably for an ads-free subscription to CBS All Access. So every time I have to pull a clip, I don't have to watch freaking Colaguard ads. <laughs> Next time on Outwatch, we will be recapping, re-watching, and reacting to episode four of Millennials vs. Gen X, titled Who's the Sucker? 
at the table. Spoiler, it's me. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 